If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. Fires upfield into the end zone. It is caught. Jelani Woods. Touchdown. He's going to fire upfield. It's broken up. Tipped and up. intercepted by the Colts. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. Colts have it. Interception. Two seconds left. And the Colts are going to win. In the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, let's get the podcast started. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Colts Official Podcast. We are brought to you by our friends at WinBet. My name's Gorman. I am joined week in and week out by J.J. Stankovitz from Colts.com. Follows this team like no other, and i tell you what, on par with J.J. Stankovitz. Lara Overton is here if you want Hey-o. the ins and outs of this football team and what's happening in training camp leading up to the Buffalo Bills. 1 p.m. Saturday kickoff. You want to follow these two. Do it on Twitter if you want or X, whatever it's called, at J.J. Stankovitz, at Lara Overton. And, J.J., i got to talk to you first and foremost right out of the gate. I'm doing this show, and I'm afraid. I'm a little scared <laughs> right now. I don't want to soil myself. I'm going be the, I'm not going to lie to you. The reason I'm saying that is I'm a, I'm a good distance away from you, but I'm kind of right next to Lara Overton. Yeah. And guys, I, uh, as you both know, I'm going to tell our audience, I uh, had a great start to a great podcast a few minutes ago. And uh, then somebody who will remain nameless uh, came up and said, uh, you didn't hit the record button, pal. So uh, we had some diamonds. We, we had just some took pearls a in there. Yeah, that was a breakfast ball. Yeah, we did a little breakfast so we ball had on a, the podcast. Basically a rehearsal before the podcast today. We've already went through that because I didn't know how to push the red button. But uh, I'm sorry to both of you, more so Lara than you, JJ, because she, she scares me. You don't. So I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry hey, from the bottom you know of what? my heart. No, really. no, no, no. That's why we all have preseason, right? It's right. preseason yeah. for right. everybody. I just you do a- this in the regular season. <laughs> You're, a, you're going on waivers. I did have a fumble. We have a lot going on up here at Grand Park in Westfield. We're going to get you up to speed on the Colts training camp and discuss Anthony Richardson's strong performance. Should I say that plural? Strong performances. Yeah, I think you can. Lately, uh, we're also going to give you a fun thing called "Who's That Guy." We're going to give you our our take on who's somebody to watch for. That's going to be uh, not somebody who's on the the big marquee radar of Colts fans normally, but for some well, younger players. Was that, that an can, Eve song? What was it? Who's that guy? Who's that guy? No, I don't know Eve. that one. It's who's that girl? Who? But uh, anyway. who's that girl? I remember yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah Eve, uh, two thousand and one. Hey, we also have from the athletic, home. and I don't know if he if he knows this song or not. But Robert Mays knows a lot about football. We're Do you think find Robert out. Mays is athletic, or he just writes for the athletic? Former uh, former uh, high school center up in Barrington, okay. Illinois, really? home oh. of Kirk Cousins. Fun fact. Now, so he is athletic. Okay. Wait a minute. I saw this gentleman. Uh, center centerman does doesn't strike me as the position but, you know, that he would play. A little eight on eight. You ever, you ever, you ever see those pictures of you know former offensive linemen when they're done playing? Like Kyle Long immediately lost like sixty pounds. Yeah. Marshall Marshall Yonda went from being this hulking guard to just like you know a normal looking dude. Yeah, but Bob, that's just what happens. I know, but Bob Mays played high school football though. That was it, right? Yeah. And then he kind of then he, his, friends his freshman Bob. year. In- yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting very familiar. <laughs> I love him. Robert Hayes coming up the athletic. Mays. Robert Mays. Yeah. <laughs> what did I say? Mass. Hayes. Robert Hayes. That's an old actor. You know who Robert Hayes is? He's the uh, pilot on uh, airplane. <laughs> 
I think that's, uh, if you guys remember the, the movie Airplane, I'm I, dating myself right now, but I think that was the pilot. Anyway, I, I promise you this. We're not going to play. That's an Easter egg for you're, a conversation yeah, you're coming not gonna up hear, You're not going to hear anything from Airplane coming up, but you will hear from Robert Mays, not Robert Hayes, from The Athletic. I talked about Anthony Richardson a little bit earlier. This is an omen I want to talk to you guys about. Earlier, we're walking back. Casey Vallier and I are back um, before we get into Anthony Richardson, and there's a beautiful color – uh, you know, five by seven, maybe picture of Anthony Richardson that I'm holding right now that had a rock strategically placed on it. And then this picture was underneath. It's on the Colts walkway where everybody walks. I picked it up saying, oh, that's kind of a nice picture. And I got thinking about it. Could it be like a nine-year-old that put that there for hopeful that, that Anthony Richardson could sign it? And I just crushed their dreams. Well, they, but they're not here to retrieve it. So right. no, I think that maybe someone brought it in hopes it would get signed, maybe set it down and then I mean, look, if you're shooting your shot, yeah. trying to get an autograph there, hey, more power to you. That's not a bad way you. to go, right? The, the, problem, the problem is that players enter usually through a different way that they exit right. out of here. And usually they're whisked away in golf carts gotcha. away from Makes the practice sense. field. I'll tell you what, whoever did leave that, I will put my digits on there. Or my Not my digits, but my... Uh... <laughs> My penmanship, my Robert Hancock, whatever it's called, my John Hancock. Bobby Hancock. Yeah, Bob Hayes, don't forget, he's coming up from the show. <laughs> this podcast is off the rails. Let's start talking football. It is already. But anyway, Anthony Richardson, if you lost your picture, I do have it. But I do want to talk about him. JJ, I'm going to start with you. We've all been talking about it. Two weeks ago, you know, the comfortability level to where he's at right now, especially taking reps in this camp as the number one overall. What say you? Yeah, what, what we've seen from Anthony Richardson, and especially over the last couple of practices is you're, you're seeing legitimate growth when you think about where he started training camp and some of the balls that he was throwing that you know he, he was kind of rifling them in there to over the weekend some of the touch he was putting on his throws was really impressive and you could see the connection growing with his wide receivers you can see the timing getting better with his wide receivers and those are all things now that you want to see show up in the game on Saturday. You want to see Anthony Richardson continue to get the ball to the right spot on time, you know, within the structure of the play. And look, we're, we're all going to watch these games to see the like, oh, my God, like holy bleep plays from Anthony Richardson, where he hucks it 60 yards to Alec Pierce or he, he scrambles and he you know, evades a tackle or something like that. But what the Colts are really looking for going into this game is the fundamentals of how Anthony Richardson plays the position. Is he going to be, you know, doing the the way running the plays as they are intended? Is he going to get the plays in on time? Is he going to be able to, you know, disseminate the play call to his teammates cleanly and get everyone lined up and make the right check and not have any procedural penalties? Those are all things that you're now looking for with Anthony Richardson now that he's going to do a real game. This isn't a controlled environment in practice. This is a real game where he doesn't have a red jersey on. He can get hit. The bullets are going to be going a little bit faster at this, and that's something that Chris Ballard talked about. The real growth for Anthony Richardson is going to happen in these three preseason games starting Saturday. Larry, i got to ask you, have you noticed a leadership upkeep or uptick, if you will, from Anthony Richardson? Because you come in here, you do your OTAs, he's the hot kid on the block and everything, then camp starts the first week. It's like, wow, this is amazing. Now we're starting to get into the guts of this thing. And, and all offenses, they all have a leader, and it usually is the quarterback position. Have you seen that yet out of the young man? Absolutely, and it hasn't necessarily been something that 
just came on in camp. I think you saw it when he stepped foot on the field back in the spring in rookie minicamp, and that continued as you got into OTAs and then vet minicamp and all of that. And what you've also seen is this great growing chemistry between he and Gardner Minshew and how positively he's responded to being able to learn underneath the experience of Gardner Minshew and the familiarity within a Shane Steichen type of offense. But, JJ, coming into camp, we heard – Anthony Richardson tell Colts Productions when he did his ride-in on the camp arrival day that his big three goals for training camp were, one, stay healthy, two, create chemistry within with across his teammates within his teammates within the team and then three become a better leader it was nothing that had to do with oh I want to be named a starter or you know this you know anything it all had to do with really how, how he was evolving and developing in terms of a leader in this locker room and I thought that was just really telling in terms of his priorities as a teammate and just as a professional I mean and, and here's what we've heard from Anthony Richardson's teammates is been he's done the work they are gravitating toward him not just because of the talent that he possesses but because you know like hearing from Quentin Nelson I thought that was one of the most compelling things we've heard during training camp where Q said you can tell that he is studied he has put in the work in the offseason he was studying as hard as he could and he's prepared and hearing that from a guy like Quentin Nelson who I mean offensive lineman if you want to suss out who's real and who's not you go to the O-line right and they'll tell you you know, whether it's through direct words or actions or, you know, whatever it may be. And hearing that from Q, that kind of made me, you know, my ears perk up a little bit. Okay, like the stuff that we're hearing about him from, you know, the other guys, that's all real. That's not BS. And guys are going to continue to gravitate toward Anthony Richardson. And that's going to help him just be a a better leader of this team. You know, I I had a really interesting chat kind of along the subject with Cato June yesterday. Colts assistant linebackers coach. I was talking about Zaire Franklin, something unrelated to this. But he said, like, if people follow you, you are a leader, whether you want to be in that position or not, whether you are good at it or not. And if you're the quarterback, people are going to follow you, whether you're good at it or not. And for Anthony to come into camp with that mindset that, like Lara mentioned, tells me that he, he does want that. He does want to be a leader of this team, but he's also doing it in a way that is very humble. He's not coming in and acting like he knows everything and I'm the guy you need to pay attention to and any of that. Like that mentality and then also the work he puts in, the talent he has, all that together are now kind of rolling up into a picture of a player who, again, like I mentioned, guys are going to gravitate toward him and a guy who can lead this team whenever he is named the starting quarterback. We're seeing uh, upcoming, especially, we've talked about the guts of training camp, we're going to see the games within the games. And I'm talking about those joint practices that come up. Larry, I'm going to start with you. How much do you need to see of Anthony Richardson against Buffalo? They haven't scrimmaged against anybody going up to this point where you're happy with, hey, I want to see that he gets his reps. Is he a starter on this thing? Is he backing up Minshew? What's the preseason game look uh, against Buffalo look like for you? I don't know if you affix like a number to it, you know, like in a certain amount of snaps. I think it would be interesting to see him just through the duration of like an entire quarter. Like, I think that that would be a good amount of time for him to kind of feel out the ebbs and flows, you know, of that period of football uh, and hopefully get him into enough different situations that he's able to get some really valuable experience. So I I do think if I'm kind of being 
it's, it might be a little bit vague to say a quarter and throw that out there, but I do think that that is kind of a good gauge of the amount of time that it would take for him to kind of shake maybe some of those initial nerves off. Although Anthony Richardson I, he doesn't, doesn't seem like he's nervous he about ever. anything. But you know you got to be just a yeah, little bit. And yeah. I don't mean that in terms of a negative nervous. I mean like an excited nervous energy, right? Where you're just like, you've got those, hey, I haven't done this since what? November, December, I guess December yeah. of last right. year, right? Whatever it was. When's the last time Anthony Richardson yeah, played Probably right game? after Thanksgiving, yeah. Exactly, yeah. right? So the college regular season finale. And so it's uh, looking at that, you want to get him into a routine and be able to feel like he falls into a little bit of a groove and gets enough work with a lot of different guys. We've seen him doing a really good job of spreading the ball around, also finding situations in which you know he's going to use his incredible athleticism and make plays with his legs. So I think a quarter of work would give you a decent amount of time to kind of give a at least enough of a sample size to build off of as you go into a critical week with two joint practices and another preseason game in the seven days ahead. JJ, how hard do fans look at who is starting this game against Buffalo? I mean, when you I see wouldn't. The, you, yeah, I, I, get, I get it. I get it. I, I, I wouldn't. Um, you know, the unofficial depth chart, uh, probably by the time this podcast is out, is posted to Colts.com, mm-hmm. and it's Gardner Minshew or Anthony Richardson as the first string quarterback. And that's what we've seen. I mean, we've seen these two guys rotate in and out. And I I wouldn't totally read into who starts preseason week one. Um, I wouldn't read into who starts preseason week three. The only time I would read into something is when the head coach of the football team tells us who the starting quarterback is going to be. That's That's it. it. Because, you know, this is something I think a lot of people going into training camp, a question I kept getting was who's going to start week one? Who's going to start week one? And I kind of said, like, I don't even think these guys know because they haven't seen Anthony Richardson practice in pads. They haven't seen him play in a football game yet. You know what he is, but it's sort of the until you live with him, you don't really know. And now the Colts are living with him. It's it's been very positive, um, but you know if it's Gardner Minshew, if it's Anthony Richardson getting those first snaps in Buffalo, I, I, forgive me for not reading into that. I I wouldn't. Um, it's just it's a preseason game where you're looking to get work in, and you know Anthony Richardson is probably going to play more than Gardner Minshew, regardless of who starts. Because he needs it, he needs the the reps, the experience. That's something that every you know high ranking member of this organization, from Jim Irsay to Chris Ballard to Shane Steichen, has talked about that Richardson needs that experience. So yeah, whether he starts or not, he's going to play a decent amount, and that's really what's going to matter at and, the end of the day. Like you said, quality reps coming up against Chicago, quality reps coming up against and, tho- and those, I mean, those practice situations. Tho- the, you, look. What he sees against Buffalo, Sean McDermott's not running right. a, a blitz package that he's going to deploy in you know week one of the playoffs in week one of the preseason. He's not putting that on tape. Yep. But in the joint practices, maybe Matt Eberflus will put something like that on tape. Maybe Sean Desai, the Eagles' defensive coordinator, will put something like that, you know, against Anthony Richardson to hey, let's go practice this. And all of a sudden, now you've seen a fire zone blitz where you got a defensive tap tackle dropping into the flat. And you got to be able to read that out. You got a sim pressure here or something like that. Those are going to be so valuable for Richardson in terms of IDing defenses. The games are going to be valuable for him in terms of getting a feel for navigating an NFL pocket, getting the play call in on time, making the right check when that play calls running. And if, if you don't get it off, 
the head not only is the head coach going to be yelling at you, but you're going to have a five yard penalty, and now you're backed up a little bit right, more. Right, right. So it's a little bit different than in practice. Lara, uh, we we know about Anthony Richardson. By the way, all eyes are going to be on you Saturday <laughs> afternoon because about every television in the Indianapolis, greater Indianapolis area, will be in like, hey, we want to see Anthony Richardson. Well, we're going to give I you Lara Overton too. I got to figure out how to do TV again. Yeah. It's been a while. I have to dust it you. off. That's you know, be fun. dust off the IFB. One p.m. kickoff from Buffalo up at Orchard Park. It is your Colts taking on the Bills. More information on this team at Colts.com. Now, one thing we're happy about uh, when it talks about being comfortable in camp, something that looks like from years past, and, and I know there's a lot of new faces, obviously coaching staff around here, but a skipping and waving and and, oh. and big smile and autographs and picking up his child and a, a happy Shaquille Leonard on the other side of the ball. And you've known this young man for a lot of years. How happy are you to see him? I'm not going to say back, back, but we're saying all, all signs indicate that this cat's ready to play some football. Shaq and I have had a lot of conversations over the course of the offseason coming into camp since he's been out on the field and you can just see how I mean is validating too strong I don't think that it is like just just that return for him after all he's been through the last 10 months the struggle both mentally and physically Mm -hmm. the toll that it has taken we will really go into Shaquille Leonard's story in the second episode part two of behind the Colts Matt Wilkening and the Colts productions team working diligently to get that out in the next few days so a little tease to what you'll see but One of our cameras, and I I can't credit, I'm not thinking right now of exactly whose camera it was who was affixed on Shaq when he walked out onto the field for that first day of practice. Mm -hmm. He talked about it after, but you guys, you can visibly see the goosebumps on his arms. Oh, nice. Of just hearing the crowd scream his name when he stepped onto the field. And he is so fueled by that. And he calls this, he calls the football field his safe haven. This is where he releases all of those emotions and how frustrating it was when he was just on the sidelines and all of those things. And to start to build some confidence in the ankle and in the back and be able to do all of those things again. And, you know, we have seen, I mean, JJ, I've been so impressed in the workload. I mean, that he has had so far in camp and certainly you know, he said that he's being much more mindful and more receptive of if he's hearing from coaches or hearing from trainers, this is, you know, kind of your pitch count for the day or this is how much you're going to do or whatever it is. And he is a little bit, I think, wiser to who to um, maybe absorbing and responding to those things and kind of taking like, OK, we're playing the long game right. with this. Right. It, this is about the longevity and the sustainability and the durability. And it has been I mean. It's just it's just so awesome because it's not only to see the impact it has on Shaq, but it's the impact he, he has across this entire team. You know, when you see how they respond right. to having him out there because, yeah, he's, he's the maniac and he's the takeaway machine, the punch out king, all of that. But he's also just a damn good teammate. Right. You mm-hmm. know, like he makes a difference when he is on the field, not only because of the other guys who he's lining up out there with or the other guys he's sharing the sideline with, but because of the amount of attention that he commands from the opposing offense. Anytime he step, steps foot on the field, whether he's, you know, 100% maniac mode or he's still working his way back, you always got to account for where 53 is on the field. We heard from Gus Bradley and linebackers coach Richard Smith on Monday, and they both thought over the weekend Shaq kind of turned a little corner. Nice. So, that, like he, that like he, his play on the field over the weekend, like they they started to see it. They started to see the 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 confidence in him in himself physically coming back, and the confidence in how he's reading defenses. Um, 
that's all really encouraging. Now, we're not sitting here on August 8th saying Shaquille Leonard is like, he's out there. We're ready to go. But that's okay. I think everything that has, has been, we've heard and seen with our own eyes and heard with our own ears up to this point has been encouraging. And for Shaq Leonard, that, just that alone, has been such a breath of fresh air because it's been a, a tough last year, two years for him even from a physical standpoint. Hey, the mental standpoint. And, 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 the, and mental. the mental standpoint. Oh, and him, yeah. I don't think he has to be at 2018 production to say that he's back. Like, yes. I, I, like, I don't think that that will be the standard that you measure up to. I think that you have to take each – you almost have to compartmentalize each of each of these years ind- independently. He's a different player than he was in 2018. Right. And I don't think you need to, like – he need, doesn't need to go tit for tat, tally for tally, takeaway for takeaway to say he is, quote-unquote, back. And R- Richard Smith talked about that yesterday, too, where he said, like, you know, as he's working back, you know, to, to – getting himself back to where he once was, he can still be a really good player. And Richard Smith, th- this is a guy who, if you ever talked with him, he is no nonsense. There is there is not an ounce of hyperbole in anything that he says. He has also forgotten more football yes. than we've ever seen. <laughs> he's coached like, for 45 I mean, years. Unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> like the amount, yeah. it's so great. Uh, uh, and I, I love talking to him because he always gives it to you straight. Yes. And... That the, those got to me when you talk to a guy like him who then says these things about Shaq with his credibility that makes me, my ears kind of perk up a little bit. Okay, we're we're not only headed in the right direction right now, but we're starting to see like Gus Bradley and Richard Smith and Cato June and everyone are starting to see what Shaq could be in this defense in mm-hmm. 2023. Real quick, there's, uh, he's a veteran, hadn't played football in a while, came back for a cup of coffee last season like we saw, and that was off again. So he hasn't played competitive football very long in the last year and a half, two years. Do you need extra preseason reps out of Shaquille Leonard? To, to, you know, Because we know this cat can play, but I'm just saying you got to get back in that football shape and football speed. He's going to have joint practices coming up, I know, but preseason, Lara, if he's in shorts and a T-shirt every preseason game – does that mean that he'll be fine, ready to go 50-plus plays against Jacksonville week one? I think it could, but you know, I do think that there is something to be said for just working through some things in the preseason because everyone – I shouldn't say everyone. For the starters in the preseason, everybody is on an allotment. Everyone is on a specific amount of plays or a specific number of series or amount of time they're going to be on the field. I think it would be beneficial for Shaq Leonard to go into a game knowing that he's going to play X number of snaps and then come off the field because I think that it is very difficult to think about Oh, he's going to go from playing in no games to then go into the regular season and just be full full speed ahead because it's good. It's very hard to limit him when you go into the regular season, right? He is going to want to be out there and available and on the field as much as possible when you get to meaningful football games that have a result and that are going to count towards your record. So I think that it could be beneficial for him to diligently use at least some of the preseason, whether it's, you know, Buffalo, Chicago, Philly, whatever it is. I think it's probably more likely that's Buffalo and Chicago because of that quick week you'll mm-hmm. have in Philadelphia, joint practice Tuesday, game on Thursday, just for him to go through. Okay. I have the expectation in my mind that I'm playing 
this amount of time, that I'm on the field this long, and then I know I'm coming out, and I will have built confidence off of that, and I'll know exactly how I feel and maybe how I need to use the next few weeks to be ready to go because I do not think that you're going to want to have to put any restraint on him as you go into the regular season because that's just not how he plays football. You know, he is he's just – he wants to be kind of that, like – stallion set free, you know, ready to go out there and make He's not just a guy. And I I think there's there's benefit to Shaquille Leonard's first tackle not coming in week one. You're right. Right. They're right. That's going to be huge mentally and physically. But again, but to kind of go back to it, Shaq and the Colts are together not going to put him in a position that is – the least bit risky. Hey. Mm-hmm. So if he if he's out there, yeah. he can be out there. But if there's any any thought of hey, we just might need to kind of dial it back a little bit for the preseason, like let, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. You're on the right track. Maybe hold you back. I would t- you know you totally understand that, and I think Shaq does too. I think and, Shaq understands you can't you can't go too fast on this. And this needs to be a methodical process. But, hey, part of that process could be getting him out there on the field. We'll see. This defense, young, long, big. They've been dropping thumping uh, going on this whole camp up to this point. So a healthy Shaq Leonard, obviously, physically and mentally. The Colts are in great shape because we know what he can do as a difference maker, especially when it comes to turnover. So, all right, good job. Well done on the Shaq update because we needed that. And we've got more of that coming up. You can find out all the latest information on Colts.com, what's going on. J.J. Stankovitz, at J.J. Stankovitz on X or Twitter at Lara Overton. Now let's slow it down a little bit. We talked about him earlier in the show. Robert Mays on the Athletics Football Podcast, and he's also from the Athletic. A knowledge, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the pro game. Former center, we found out about Robert Mays, so he does know the game. J.J. Stankovitz and Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, they had a chance to catch up with Robert earlier in the week. We're back here at Westfield Grand Park after a Sunday practice for the Indianapolis Colts in the afternoon with J.J. Stangovitz alongside. I'm Matt Taylor. Joining us, Robert May, special guest from The Athletic, and he's the host of The Athletic Football Show, a very popular football podcast that uh, we encourage everybody to check out. And uh, your stop in Indianapolis, Robert, welcome. I'm very happy to be here. What are some storylines that uh, you followed that took you here to Grand Park? I don't know if you realize this. They drafted a quarterback in the top five. Yep. They did. So he, yep. uh, I'm, I know you guys might not know that, but I want to let you know. Yep. They drafted one, and he's very, very physically talented. <laughs> so I was curious to come here, both see him, hear about him, talk to people about him. And anytime a franchise is in transition, I think it's always good to visit and yeah. just kind of see where things are and the tone of the building and you know where how people are feeling about the upcoming season and you know with Shane coming in here this year and them really turning the page in a couple different ways and me being three hours away yeah in Chicago it always have to come so I'm excited to be here what do you think a successful season for Anthony Richardson would look like from a, from your national perspective where you've seen rookie quarterbacks succeed or fail based on their own circumstances, based on the team they go to. For Anthony, what do you think that looks like? Consistent progress. And it's not going to be linear. You know, there's going to be a great game and then there's going to be a bad game. But just making sure that the arrow is pointed up generally throughout the season I think is important. You want to see the splash plays. And you want to make sure that the bet you made on him is that he could be a force of nature uh, and when you drop him into this situation where he could just be the best player on the field in certain moments. You're going to want that. You're going to want moments where he just looks different than everyone else because that's what you drafted him to be. 
there's he's unlike any player that's really been drafted in the top five that I can ever remember. His 13 starts, yeah. his completion percentage, and some of the other traditional metrics that you look at are not in line with what you typically think of when you think of a top five pick. So you need to see the reasons that you made him a top five pick. I think that's what's important. I don't think you have to put any sort of number on it. I don't think it has to be where they finish in any sort of efficiency metric. I don't think it has to be a win total. I don't think it has to be a yardage total. I think it's just a feeling that when you get to the end of the year, you think, this is the right bet. And if that's the case, that's a win. Robert, you and I were chatting during practice, and you brought up how the early days of, of like football analytics, the two things that you know football outsiders in there is like the what the late 90s, that they said would carry over for quarterback success from College of the Pros were game started and completion percentage. Yes. Those are two things that Anthony Richardson does not have uh, in spades coming out of the University of Florida. 13 starts, a completion percentage in the 50s. But when you look at him out there and you look at just the, the, the NFL landscape, does the Colts drafting him in the top five, does that kind of represent the changing shift in how quarterbacks are, in how quarterback development more specifically is being viewed by teams around the league? 100%. I think this is kind of the end point of that discourse. He would never be drafted in the top five 15, 20 years ago. And we've seen so many guys succeed from kind of untraditional backgrounds with untraditional skill sets. Patrick Mahomes being the player that he is, Josh Allen succeeding in the way that he did. We're not looking for Peyton Manning and Tom Brady clones of the position anymore. We're looking for guys that have a certain physical skill set. And I think more importantly or as important is the right mindset and makeup. And if you have those two things, if you have a a reservoir of physical talent and you have the intelligence and just the will to get better, mm-hmm. those are bets that are going to be worth making. That's what Josh Allen was. That's what Jalen Hurts was. And the Colts are hoping that he's kind of the next step in that. And there are some other kind of more micro things about his game. He's a very natural thrower of the football. His upper body stuff is what you'd want to see. It's just about cleaning up aspects to his game. So it's not as simple as those terms, but I think that those are the two boxes that if you can check the talent and you can check the will and desire to get better – and those areas where you need to improve are they exist within a certain framework. I think that you can talk yourself into a guy like this in a way you never could have 20 years ago. You know, Robert, based on what you know about Anthony Richardson and based on what you saw today, seeing him for the first time in a professional setting going through an NFL practice, what are your expectations for him in terms of how the Colts are going to use him early on in the season if that does come to fruition? I think that they're going to protect him in the ways that we saw, we saw Jalen Hurts get protected in Philly early on. Just run the ball. Just run the ball consistently. Use him to run the ball consistently because we've seen that around the league, and I think teams have been smart to do this, where you use the run game as a precursor to your quarterback's development, and you kind of bide time with it. You raise the floor of what your offense can be if you lean on that version of it. Think about Philly in 2021. They weren't one of the best offenses in the league, but they could move the ball consistently. They were a decent offense because they had this quarterback with this hyper-specific skill set, and they built this run-centric offense around him. And I think that's what they're going to try to do here. Can we just make sure that we're getting, again, that progress? Can we make sure the arrow is pointed in the right direction? And I think not throwing a ton on him early as mm-hmm. a passer and leaning on his legs a little bit. I think that's the smart way to do it, and I'd be surprised if they didn't handle it that you, way. You always hate to make comparisons, player A to player B, but you know, I read a stat the other day. I don't know what the number was, but the Philadelphia Eagles the last two years with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback, they've led the NFL in RPO plays <laughs> in each of the last two years. Obviously, Anthony Richardson can do a lot of the same things that Jalen Hurts can do. Do you see RPO being – 
front and center offensively here with the Colts? Absolutely, because then your run game, your passing game is an extension of your running game. So it all comes from the same place. And the thing about RPOs is they're defined reads. Yeah. You're not asking him to do anything crazy. If this guy's open, throw it to him. If this guy's moves, hand the ball off. It's a pretty simple set of decisions that you're putting on a very young player. So I think that's just, again, an extension of that idea of we're going to lean on his legs, we're going to lean on his physical ability as we kind of get to the stuff further down the road that we, we might want to get to. So you and Nate Tice on, on your podcast have talked about the Colts maybe being the league pass team, which is a reference <laughs> to NBA league pass, where there's always like that one team that maybe isn't like contending for an NBA championship, but man, they do some really fun stuff, so I'm going to watch them on NBA league pass. You mentioned the Colts as that. What about the the scheme that Shane Steichen can bring with Anthony Richardson's skill set, with some of the other pieces that are in place here, kind of gives you that that hint of like, yeah, maybe I will, you know, watch a 1 p.m. Colts game, even if the team maybe isn't in playoff contention. The quarterback drives a lot of that and Mm -hmm. him being as potentially as exciting as he is. But my favorite part about the Colts and about this pairing is that with almost any other offensive coordinator in the NFL – you would have to use some imagination when you were trying to talk yourself into the marriage. Well, you know, maybe he has an idea for how to use Anthony Richardson. Maybe he can deploy him in the right way. There's no imagination necessary with Shane. We've seen him do it with (laughs) Jalen Hurts. It is a perfect one-to-one combination because you've seen it in practice. You've seen him use a guy with this sort of skill set and bring him along at the right rate. And that is so powerful. The fact that there is proof of concept already with this coach with this type of quarterback and that's why i want to watch it because i have faith in it working the 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 state of the afc south um to me is is very interesting where i think a lot of people just assume "Ah, that's the worst division in football but you you have the jacksonville jaguars as one of your 10 best offenses correct yes high up there high up there uh you're doing your 10 best defenses show and this pod will come out after that goes out but you have the houston texans and tennessee titans in your top ten well, defenses, the, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take much from the Texans one. That's just me, like f- just having a weird okay, but, feeling. But you, you, there is a pot, There is a world in which the Texans have. Well, a, you're you're pretty considering good them for a reason, right? I think that they're. You bring in a head coach in D'Amico Ryan's, who's had really, a lot of success as a defensive coordinator. You have a young kind of collection of talent on that side of the ball. A, a jump forward is possible. I think it is totally reasonable to think and conclude that I believe some of the teams in the AFC South have a chance to be more competitive than yeah. some people around the league do. That's where I was kind of getting. Yeah. yeah. And and that lends itself to maybe not as easy of a schedule for the Colts or for any team in this division that you know some people may assume but just the the general grouping of the AFC South do you still consider them even with those things in mind do you still consider this division to be one of the weaker ones in the league? Yeah, probably. You know, I don't think there are that many divisions around the NFL that are total train wrecks at this point. I don't think there are that many teams that are pointing toward a top 10 pick kind of decidedly. You know, I think that Arizona is going to be the one of the worst teams in the league because I think they want to be one of the worst teams in the league. I think there are other teams where you can make a real downside case for them, and you can make a real downside case for some of the teams in the AFC South. It's very possible that the Texans' offense is just DOA in year one. They have a first-year offensive coordinator they have a rookie quarterback they have really no weapons on the outside i mean the best receiver on their team is probably nico collins that could be a bottom five offense even if their defense is pretty good and that combination maybe that's a five six win team the with tennessee their offense they have the worst offensive line of football even if you're excited about some of the pieces that they have offensively 
we've seen better offensive lines torpedo an entire team for over the course of a year. So there's a chance that the Titans are so bad up front that they can't even function, even if their defense is going to be good. So I just think that there's a wide range of outcomes for these teams, mm-hmm. because if Tennessee's defense is really good and their line can kind of catch a couple breaks and you still have those pieces, if the Texans are better, quicker than we expect them to be, CJ Stroud's good right away, they've surrounded him with enough on offense, you can talk yourself into all of them. But I think overall, yes, the upside cases for each of these teams is not as high as it is for some of the other teams around the league and some of the other divisions around the league. I even think a team, a division like the NFC South, for example, where you could make a case for every single team, it's much easier for me to talk myself into 10-win seasons for the Panthers, the Saints, and the Falcons than it is to do it for the Texans, the Colts, and the Titans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even if I think their teams are going to be a little bit more competitive than some people on the outside might, I still think the overall quality and upside of the division, the ceiling cases are just harder to talk yourself into. You know, I always like asking people in your shoes as we let you go here. You guys were talking about the AFC South and the teams that might be able to surprise win total-wise, but we know about parity in the NFL. There's always teams. There's like four teams every year that make the playoffs that didn't the year before. Mm-hmm. So kind of putting you on the spot here. But give me a team that you think is going to rebound this year and then maybe a team that might be susceptible to, to the regress in 23. I, I think the Falcons are going to be really interesting this year. I have a lot of faith in their offense, and they've really put a lot of pieces around Desmond Ritter, and they're not going to ask him to do a lot. Mm-hmm. Just keep the train on the tracks. And the pieces that they've added on defense, I just think have a chance to make them a different – sort of unit on that side of the ball. If you look at the bodies they have up front in the front seven, they are big and they are physical. They don't have any true top-tier edge rushers, Mm -hmm. but they've got enough guys to kind of figure out that problem. I think they'll be a blitz-happy team. So that's just a team that, I don't know, I like the makeup of where they are right now in a division that really does feel like it's up for grabs. And A a team that played well last year, a team that made the playoffs last year that's probably going to take a step back. It's a great question. (sighs) Looking around the league... Trying to do this in real time. Yeah, you need a bracket uh, in front of you almost, right? <laughs> you know, I think that Minnesota is obviously the easy answer. Yeah. You know, they won 13 games last year. They, they were not a 13-win team on paper. If you look at some of the underlying metrics and all the close games all that the they close won. Games, yeah. I mean, if, if the Vikings, honestly, if the Vikings won nine games this year, I don't think it's a disappointing season. I think that's about where they are. They're in such a weird space where they're trying to compete in some ways, but they're also tearing down areas of the roster and yeah. others. You know, I think that they kind of want to be at a place a year from now where they've got these building blocks on the roster with Justin Jefferson, Christian Darius, all their left tackle, Jordan Addison, who they drafted, TJ Hawkinson, and then maybe a piece or two on defense. And then they're kind of in a rebuild mode. And that's going to be difficult based on their avenues to find a quarterback. And then that's getting a little bit deeper into the weeds. But mm-hmm. I think, again, if they finish somewhere around 500, it's not necessarily a disappointment, even if they won 13 games yeah, last year. Great stuff, per usual. Robert Mays from The Athletic Football Show, the podcast with The Athletic. Thanks for coming to Grand Park, and thanks for your time after practice today. Absolutely, guys. Anytime. Bunch of smart people talking football there, JJ. I see why you like to get them on the broadcast. I mean, I, I've, to- I've, to- I've told him this, and he hates it, but I've told him, like, the only reason why I can have intelligent conversations with like Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard and some of our folks in the front office and coaching staff is because I listen to his podcast. There you go. And uh, the, the work that he puts in and the detail that he goes into is really good. I would highly recommend it if you're looking for a national perspective 
on things. Uh, always good to dial in to what he's doing, in addition to listening to us here on the Colts Absolutely. Audio Network. Absolutely. And Lara, when you get a minute, tell me what JJ says when I'm not around. <laughs> after being a podcast with somebody smart as opposed to, well, somebody maybe not so smart. All right. But I you do hit have the a, red button. It's I good. Do, I do have a smart segment coming up called Who's That Guy? We're past the midway point of camp. Some Colts fans are asking, hey, who's that guy? Who's that guy? Who's that guy? Who wears that number? Who? You know what they're talking about. When it comes to some new faces, every year we go through the same thing. But I'm going to ask you guys who's that guy for you that could play big roles this upcoming season maybe not the household names you know they're starting to emerge a little bit JJ I'll start with you who's that guy so if you've come out here to training camp you've probably noticed uh, a cat wearing number 50 running around like a missile on defense and his name is Sagoon Alubi he goes by Shea and he is part of the group of players who are competing to uh, be linebacker depth behind Shaq Leonard, Zaire Franklin, EJ Speed. Uh, and the, the physicality and speed which with, with which Alubi plays has stood out to me during camp. I'm excited to see him out there in Buffalo. Um, because he, So he had a play. We had Shaq Leonard mic'd up. By the way, if you haven't seen it, it's fantastic. Uh, over the weekend. And there's a play where it's kind of it's off camera. The camera's on Shaq and it's on Zaire Franklin. And both those guys like lose their minds. They're screaming, they're yelling. And it was a hit that Shea Luby had. Uh, maybe a little too physical. I, you know, who knows? But Good. you'd rather it be too physical than Let's not go. physical enough. Uh, they were reacting to that. And I, he's had, he had an interception. Uh, he had a pick six earlier in training camp. A guy, I just want to see him go out there and do it now. I think at the very least, maybe you're talking about him as a special teams contributor, but the Colts are trying to figure out linebacker depth behind those three guys. It's a lot of young guys. You got JoJo Doman, you got Grant Stewart, you got Shea Luby. Um, you know, Richard Smith talked about how they're really trying to find that backup Mike. So let's go out and see it now. Let's go see what these guys can do. And you might be listening to this being like, why are you talking about linebacker depth? Who cares? Well, it's we're two weeks into training camp, right. and there's a game coming up. And honestly, I'm at the point where, yeah, I want to talk about linebacker depth. <laughs> That's to- where I'm at in training camp right now. So let's let's just lean into it with uh, some Shea Luby talk here. I love it. Lara Overton, I play this game with you now. A lot of Colts fans have been asking around, hey, who's that guy? Who's that mm-hmm. guy? Lara, who's that guy for you that emerges this season? Maybe not a household name. Well, it's a guy who the Colts invested a draft pick in, and it's Evan Hull, who has gotten some significant time in camp because you've seen rotation at running back and you have seen the opportunity for him to do some different things. And one of the things you like is a different element that he brings to your run game in the sense that he's a threat as a pass-catching back. And I kind of ran this past JJ earlier today, but if, you know, it might be speaking too broadly, but I think that if you look at, what people envisioned or may have expected from what Naheem Hines, what you thought he might be able to produce for you, the weapon he might be able to be in the pass game. I think you can kind of, I don't want to say they're exactly similar entities, but just in terms of a different element that it brings, I do think that he has the potential to be that. I mean, you had a good point, though, with that, JJ. You know, he's not a guy who's necessarily going to line up in the slot. But in terms of catching passes out of the backfield, he certainly – you saw it at Northwestern, you know. And then there are some things, though, that you want to see him develop over the course of the preseason. But what I've liked from him so far in camp is that he's been incredibly consistent and reliable no matter which quarterback that he's been working with. And I think that's one of his strongest assets. Yeah, I want to see what he can do in pass protection in these preseason games because – 
that's going to be if he's going to kind of be a third down back in this offense. Um, you know, he could be more. We'll see. But if he's going to be a third down back, you got to be able to catch the ball. Okay, check. We've seen it on tape at Northwestern. We've seen it up here at Grand Park. Can you can you block? Can you block a blitzing linebacker? Can you take care of the protection that you know stick your nose into it and make sure that your quarterback stays upright on third and seven? Um, that's something that is not easy to do. But I, you know, he's a guy who showed it a little bit. Uh, in college at Northwestern, and I want to see it now in these preseason games where it is live full contact. No one's letting up against you in these. Um, can he do it now against? Another? And again, like I mentioned earlier, you're not going to see, you know, Sean McDermott throw like an exotic blitz out there on you. It's going to be pretty formulaic. Pretty uh, stale, yeah. But ulti- stale. ultimately, you still have to block a linebacker sure. coming at you. So can he do that if he gets an opportunity and show? Yeah, you know if. If I'm standing next to Anthony Richardson and he's dropping back and he's scanning the field, he's going from one to two, I can make sure that linebacker doesn't touch him. Right, right. That's going to be important for me to see out of Evan Hall. Absolutely. And like you guys said, he does have some skills. 88 footballs he caught the last two years at Northwestern. I need somebody, anybody to ask me who that guy is. Who's that guy? Who's that guy? My guy to keep an eye on. Somebody that may emerge that's not a familiar face. Daryl Baker Jr. and had a can- chance to catch up with uh, Daryl earlier today. You can hear that on our Colts Audio Network coming up in the next couple of days. And I'm really impressed with him. Obviously, as a player, Lara got cut from Arizona. We signed him last year about a year ago or roughly a year ago. He's been on the practice squad. He saw some action in three games. He's a big cornerback. Mm-hmm. He's a long cornerback. And he's been making some ridiculous plays out there as well in the first two and a half weeks of this camp because Juju Brents, uh, the high draft choice right. uh, that the Colts are, are, are coveting hasn't been available. So it's been a guy like Daryl Baker Jr. that's making plays, and I knock on wood that we see more of this young man this year. I think he is – that's one of the things that he's done is every time you see a pass come his way, he's competing. I think that is an element that you have seen that has led him to be a little bit of like kind of the – stand out when you talk to Ron Miles about the secondary that has had a bit of an injury bug so far through this portion of camp been encouraging to see a guy like Juju Brents finally get out there and work his way in but Daryl Baker has certainly capitalized on the opportunity that has been presented to him another guy kind of in that same conversation is Jalen Jones, mm-hmm. who was the draft pick uh, late in the game. What, South Carolina? No, Texas A&M. Texas A&M. Texas A&M Seventh round me. pick, A&M. J- um, Darius Rush was South Carolina, yep. correct? There we go. Uh, all these uh, all these draft picks. Uh, a lot of draft picks, uh, remember. Lot, yeah. Yes, exactly. So I appreciate your keeping me honest there, JJ. I thought Jalen Jones, too, has been one who has been just an absolute ball hawk in training camp, too. That Both is, those guys have been physical. Yeah, super physical. Yeah. Absolutely. That, and that's been good to see when, you know, you talk about competing Lara, where We've seen Daryl Baker go up against Alec Pierce, guy who's a you know as physical as it gets at the line of scrimmage, and you know Alex won some reps, but so is Daryl, and that's kind of what you want to see in training camp is you know making guys better. It's the whole cliche of iron sharpens iron. Um, I, I think we've seen some really impressive pass breakups from Daryl Baker. We've seen it now from Jalen Jones over the last couple of practices where he's had some plays. Now you want to see it in the games again. It, it goes back to let's now go see it out in the games. Uh, the way I always like to think about training camp is like the, the practices are quizzes and the games are tests. 
And then at the end of it, you put your grade together. Wow. And, uh, like look that. at that analogy. Yeah. I can't Chase even take, I can't, I can't, no, I can't. No, that's here's you, the thing. That's, I can't, no, I can't even take credit for that. For you. Can't even take credit for that. That's my, uh, my late mentor, John Moon Mullen always said that. And I thought it made a lot of sense. So nice I always one. stuck with it. Well, thank you, John. And thank you, JJ, for that. And, uh, I, I'm telling you, I just like, uh, I, I, I like, um, the young man because, um, I guess there's one. I'm counting how many between JJ Lara. How many? How many? He's one of a twin, is what I'm saying. Is Daryl Baker Jr. is one of a twin? Mm-hmm. JJ, you have twins. Yeah. Um, Kenny Moore is part of a twin. Naeem yeah, Hines, Kenny's who we talked twin. to, who's mm-hmm. up there in Buffalo. What is it with the water around here? He's part. Of, he's got six. <laughs> well, they all weren't and born in here. <laughs> well, I'm just saying we it's got a, another. What's it? What's it with twin. the water in the United States of America? That's true. That's true. But no, we got another set of twins. He's uh, his parents are retired from the military, so he said awesome. he's been focused yeah. on on you know about structure and and you know having structure on a daily stuff that he learned from his parents. He talked about that. He talked about hard work, getting where he's at out of Georgia Southern. So again. Evan Hall, keep an eye on. Uh, Lara has pointed out. We also pointed out on Shea Alube, number 50, the missile linebacker. You'll see him against Buffalo coming up. And I also said, like, uh, Daryl Baker Jr., who will not be running from the second row at Talladega this weekend. (laughs) Daryl Baker Jr. will be in the Colts' defensive secondary. Do not forget, folks, we are brought to you by our friends at WinBet. Colts training camp daily update with Matt Taylor and our very own J.J. Stankovic coming up on Thursday, featuring a chat with running back Deion Jackson. And inside football with Coach Rick Venturi. It's returning this week on Wednesday. We want to ask Rick what he wants to see out of the Colts' first preseason game against the Bills this weekend. Reminder, that's 1 p.m. on Saturday. And on Wednesday of Thursday of this week, Colts Daily Updates giving you the latest on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan starting at 6 and a happy hour with our friend JMV. It gets you up to speed with Colts camps and interviews with Shane Steichen and some select Colts players. That starts at 6 also on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, I butchered the start of this thing we talked for about 30 minutes and i didn't press record but i'm glad we winded it up you guys i i start picking your melon brains both of you about this football team melon and I love brains. It. yeah that's a that's a that's a good Ooh. thing you guys are smart you don't have big heads but i'm saying the 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 the, the size of your head you've got more information than the common person yeah does. i mean oh. you know you know what what happens if you know you're kind of forced to have a formal wedding ceremony and you just can't kind of run away with your spouse right 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 yeah, you can't elope can't elope not oh, the no. fruit, but you can't elope. Like, you know, go to Hawaii and get married in four foot of water while, wow. she, while your wife wear, wears a sarong and you have a, you know, a bathing yeah. suit on. That's yeah. eloping, right? You, you just you teed some, me up with a melon some, right there. Really? Yeah. Everybody <laughs> wears lays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, look, I, you, you said melon brain and my brain which is just totally to messed up, went straight to how can I make a terrible pun to torture everyone. Oh, well, you, I tell you Specifically what, to torture straight, straight torture coconut. my colleague straight at coconuts. the Colts, Darren Williams, who I know is listening to this and just let out a huge, ugh. Well, brother, so that's going to be great. Congrats, because you succeeded on that one. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> For Lara Overton and J.J. Stankovitz, again, follow them at J.J. Stankovitz on X or Twitter, at Lara Overton. My name's Gorman. We do it week in and week out, 1 p.m. kickoff up at Buffalo. Lara, you will be on on the broadcast. We I will. will see you on the sidelines. JJ, we're going to hear you immediately, almost immediately after the broadcast. Instant reaction. Instant. We're back. That's right. Bill Brooks, the great Ring of Honor member of the Colts, and JJ Stankovic will be breaking down the first preseason game against Buffalo. Guys, I'll, I'll be back next week, I promise you. This time I'll hit the record button. Is that a deal? <laughs> deal. Deal. Uh, don't, don't throw stones at me on the way out. Talk to you next week. Talk to you next week.